HodgePodge Podcast. I'm your host, as always, D Hodge, but you guys already know that. You can go follow me on Instagram at I am Mr. Dylan Hodge. The podcast is at the HodgePodge Podcast. Go follow us over there if you would, please. Now that that business is out of the way, got a couple of things I would like to talk about real quick before we jump into the pie of the podcast. Um, I'm working on something that I don't really know if I'm allowed to say what it is or not. (laughs) So I'm just going to say that uh, you will be able to see that over on all of my um, social medias and stuff like that. It's, 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 it's something that I turned something down. Well, let me put it this way. I'll explain more once it comes out, yada, yada, yada. Um, But I had to say no on something for this thing that I'm doing um, because I didn't feel comfortable doing it. Um, But I don't think it's any kind of surprise. I just don't want to say what it is just in case I'm not and have to go through and edit and take all of this out. So that, I, I think we're doing that this week. Um... Maybe it's all. Maybe the time you're hearing this, maybe it's already out. If none of this gets uh, anything like this ever gets canceled, then uh, you will know if it's never repeated on the show. Okay, now that that's out of the way, a couple of other things we need to cover. This is my podcast. I'm gonna jump right into it. This is my podcast. I can talk about what I want, have on whoever I want. And do whatever I want with this podcast. I was checking my email, and me and Big Shrimp were sent um, a a hater, a hated email, hatred email, because they say we take too much time coming on here and talking before the interview. They would much rather us just flat out have the interview start well that's not how i do things around here anymore i don't want to do it that way i'm not gonna hate on you i'm not gonna say your name just in case people want you dead um i'm not gonna give away your point of address it's my show i can do what i want i can have who i want so i i love giving giving and getting advice on podcast and on daily life but i'm not gonna sit here when you didn't, when no one gave me advice, they just took out what they hated. So there you go. There's that. There will be on Wednesday of this week, if you're hearing this on Monday, then there will be a special episode up on Wednesday. It is me and Big Shrimp. No, it is not a simulcast. No, it is not a Bobby Bone Show review. Let's be honest. I don't know if we'll ever get another Bobby Bone Show review in. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll just do it on special events or special episodes, maybe. Um, Simulcast are coming. They're in the works. We're actually working out Simulcast 11, I believe it is. We're actually working, getting those notes together and figuring out what we're going and want to talk about. Um, But this episode... Coming up on Wednesday with me and Big Shrimp, 
is really just updates, updates, updates. I, I, I think that's exactly what I'm going to call it is updates, updates, updates. Because we give information on Big Shrimp Radio and how we're going to do be doing things different here and over there and what's to come and what's le- it, it, it's it's a whole cluster screw of a podcast where it's just giving updates and letting you guys know what's happening what's going to happen and what's to be expected in the near future so those podcasts always do really good for for some weird reason the ones with me and big shrimp always uh, always have a bigger pool sometimes not all the time um, that's really all I have to talk about. What I need to talk about, that really is it. So, without further ado, let's go over to the introduction for the guest of the podcast, right now. Hello everyone, it's Mur from Jokers. I'm here in my hotel room. There's my blankie. These things are not important. Here's what is. You've made a choice to listen to the HodgePodge podcast. Not a bad choice, my friend. You are making good decisions in life. Subscribe now and anywhere that podcasts are available. All right. Part two of Conspiracy Theories in Quarantine with Abigail Nielsen is this week, right now, which you're going to hear the continuation of our chat. Now, when I say continuation, we didn't do it on the same day we did it a couple of days later um, once we actually got everything going and so this part part two which you're fixing to hear right now this is actually when we were in full effect quarantine i know things have uh have 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 let up a lot in the past couple of months but this was when we we were deep in quarantine and not going anywhere for you know anywhere we didn't have to go to the doctor or anything like that so that that is what makes this podcast interesting. Now, warning, please keep um, notice that the audio is not very well. Um, some of it is low at points. Um, it's not the best audio, but we fixed it up as best we could. Um, so you may want to put some headphones in, or if you're listening in your car stereo, turn the volume up. Um, here's why. I was recording from two different devices uh, for two different devices, I should say, um, for the YouTube channel and for the podcast. Um, we did it over Skype, which is how these new podcasts are going because the official YouTube for HodgePodge podcast is now live. You can go watch this part two on YouTube right now. Just type in the title of the episode, Conspiracy Theories and Quarantine with Abigail Nielsen, or you can just go over to the HodgePodge podcast, type that in on YouTube, and you'll find us. This is the picture of the logo uh, of the podcast. But, yeah, so th- th- I was recording for two different platforms on two different pieces of equipment. And one failed or something happened in the middle of one of them, but the other one kept going. And this is the one that we're stuck with. I did the best I could to enhance the audio as much as possible without it sounding crackly or without it sounding like we're in a tunnel or an echo or we're actually screaming where the um, where the volume is god awful loud. So I hope you guys can forgive me. We all make mistakes. So here is part duh of Conspiracy Theories of Quarantine with Abigail Nielsen right now.
I have just been so bored lately. Like, I haven't even been able to do it. Like, just sitting at home. I even drove myself to Walmart to get a puzzle. You know how bored I have to be to get a puzzle? And they were all sold out. I know everything is just, like, gone right now. I was, um, I was contemplating getting a puzzle, and then I thought realistically, okay, am I getting this just so I can be like, yeah, I got a puzzle routine. Am I going to get this and actually complete it? And then I was thinking, you know, if I do get a puzzle, then it's like, once it's complete. Yeah, according to whatever Dr. Fauci says, that it's going to be a constant, it's going to be a downfall, and then they're gonna, it's going to go right back up. So I'm thinking we should stay in quarantine at least until that drop happens, and then still stay within that week or two of quarantine, because if not, you're just going to go right back to where we were. A second wave of stuff and it feels like right now um that stuff is really like calmed down and it feels like no one or it feels like people are really listening now but um but that's just kind of like from my point of view i suppose since i have been home for like 32 days and have been you know on self-quarantine and making sure i'm following all the but i do still see um so many people just not listening and I'm like okay I get like mm-hmm. things are coming down and it doesn't seem as scary and maybe like the statistics are still going down and stuff but in order for it to you know be done completely is if everyone just stays home like not like washing your hands and hang out with face masks but <laughs> keep 100% Yeah, but I'm not worried about me getting something. I'm worried, what if I've already been diagnosed with it, you know, and I don't know about it, and then I give it to somebody else? That's the big deal about it. That's what people are not understanding, and it's what's been making me just like, oh my gosh, like, it's, for me, I think that if you are saying, I don't care if I get sick, if I get sick, I'll be fine, I'm young, great immune system, whatever, but you're still going out and stuff, and you don't care for yourself. I just feel like that's so selfish. Like, you could be fine, for sure, and you might not care, but the the older people at the grocery store who are, you know, getting their essential groceries here, you know, and so, I don't know. There's so many, like, younger people especially, um, but also, like, to the same amount of um, adults who are going out and go to the grocery store and tell the like, you know, I'm just here because there's nothing else to do and I need an excuse to leave the house. Like, watch Netflix. Do a puzzle. Paint. Netflix, what have you watched on there? Have you watched the Tiger King Dilemma that it wasn't talking about? <laughs> I, um, yesterday I was thinking, you know, I'm just going to put it on and see. So I was just curious to see what it was about, and I had my parents watch it, and I had a few friends who watched it, and they were all like, you have to do it, it's so, it's so weird, but it's like, it draws you in and all this stuff, and I watched like the first three episodes, and I just did not get into it. I, I kept like zoning out, and I wasn't doing anything else, like I wasn't on my phone, I wasn't writing, I wasn't any like other side thing while watching it and it was just so boring and 
like that compared to like um like don't f with cats that documentary was <laughs> so amazing to me and the tiger king stuff see I, I i'm scared of cats so i wouldn't really watch the don't f with cats thing that documentary, it's honestly not really about cats. It's about um, this, like, murderer guy. And it was, like, okay. it was so interesting seeing, because it's kind of about, I won't give you any spoilers, but it's kind of about this person who is, like, putting up videos online of them, like, killing them and torturing them. And this group of people online are like, we need to find this guy, and get him in jail or whatever and the lengths that they go through to like find this person is just so like interesting and intriguing and it was such a like well drawn out documentary that like I had to finish it all in one day and from the beginning to the end it all just felt like it was one of those documentaries where at the end you feel just like and it had such a great resolution and you're like okay that was just nice to watch like from beginning to end and it all just like felt good all together even though it's a horrible topic but the way that they threw it out and really captured everything that went on was so well done so to see the tiger king stuff i mean i it's probably just me i just could not get into it just wasn't even that interesting Yes. Yeah, I would say I was lost till about second episode, maybe. It was I was like, it's not gonna be anything, and then the, around the third episode, kind of where the Carol Baskin incident came in, that's kind of where I got hooked at. So, but uh, my dad doesn't like it. Uh, I'm rewatching it with my mom because I was like, you have to watch it. She likes those uh, investigations show discovery shows or something like that and i was like you gotta watch so i'm middle of watching it and i've been watching a lot of disney plus lately uh just watch the onward have you seen that little uh, I... trolls or something yeah i started onward two days ago and i was at the point where they're at like the restaurant kind of thing and i oh, okay I, it was like, <laughs> it was too emotional for me. So I turned it off. No, it no, was, I get, no. It was so emotional. And I was, I just couldn't, yeah. I, I don't think, I think I turned it off because I didn't want to see what was going to happen because it, everything around it was so emotional for me. And I just loved Tom Holland and Chris Pratt and hearing their voices with all this, like, dialogue of the story and stuff was, like, way too much emotionally for me. So I turned that off and put on Lost. <laughs> Let me tell you something about that. I thought this, because usually if it's, sometimes I watch it while, like, while laying in bed. Sometimes it takes three or four days to watch it. So I was watching it. It is emotional. The, I have never teared up. I don't, I've cried in, like, Toy Story 4 or something like that. But I don't think I've teared up in any other cartoon, but that one, the end was just, wow, it was, it was very emotional. Uh, I think I'm, I need to wait, um, <laughs> so I can, like, hang out with one of my friends and, like, have, like, somebody there. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, just because, like, especially with, like, 
I mean, it is a cartoon and it is like a kids movie, but man, Disney and Pixar, they're out. They get you, yeah. And I, I mean, I cried during Up because, like everybody, <laughs> and during Toy Story Four, I um, I went and saw that in the movie theater, and it yeah. was like super great. I was not emotional though, as much as I thought it would be, just because it didn't really hold <laughs> as much. But man, um, and I, I cried during Frozen too as well. But onward, I mean, I haven't finished it yet because I'm just not emotionally prepared. But I kind of see where it's going. Yeah. And I was like, I think I need to. Yeah, I, I, I guess the ending. I, I, I guess the ending about 30 minutes into it, I was like, I know what's going to happen. But once it happened, it was still like, oh, wow. I get, yeah, it was, it was, it was rough to watch. Yeah, I mean, oh, that those Pixar people <laughs> really get ya. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because those animated movies take like six years to make. So like, there's no telling how young or how old the people were when they were making it, and then six years later it comes out. You know, it, it's one of those things that mind-blowing to me about just technology how long it takes even though how far we've come in it yeah i mean imagine like 10 years ago what it must have been like i have no idea what goes in um to making even just like a live action movie but the thought of it just to me i mean thinking about like directing it and like putting all the scenes together and having this like storyboard of is so stressful to me um, but I did see the, um, I can't remember what doc, but it was a documentary about, like, Disney starting and Pixar and, um, The Pixar story. Yeah, some, some, one of those documentaries, and, um, it was really interesting seeing, like, how they were planning ahead and how they really decided how they were going to release stuff. Super interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, something happened to my laptop, but I got it back. Um, so, yeah, we got you on to talk about more conspiracies and throwing a little music in there. So I guess we'll go ahead and kick off with the conspiracies, and then we'll get into the music a little later. Uh, so tell me, what do you know more about, the Elvis conspiracy or the Paul McCartney because we, we both know, we both, we know a lot about aliens, so. Yeah, um, let's start with the Paul one, because right before okay. here, I watched a video on, like, the Paul is dead theory, and I just, mm. I just thought it was so funny. <laughs> like, um, because I read that, like, people think that he had, um, I wrote down notes on, because I, I wanted to be prepared for this, um, that okay. he died on November 9th, 1966, in, like, a car crash, and that they replaced him with an imposter named Billy Shears. And uh, throughout all of this, the, you know, real Paul McCartney thought it was just hilarious. And they went on in the video saying, like, if you go through, like, the Sgt. Pepper's album or the White Album, in on the record, 
in between songs, if you play it backwards, they say specific things like Paul is dead, miss him, miss him, or like um, I buried Paul and stuff like that was super interesting. And they went on to the like Abbey Road cover photo and saying like, this is why they're dressed right. this way, this is why he's barefoot in it, and the um, something about a license plate in the background of yeah. Was some something like that, and I just think like comparing like the Beatles to um, I like to not musically, not talent wise, just like the thing of like a boy band. I like to think of like the Beatles and say like if it was One Direction and if they were like Harry Styles is dead and they replaced him with a different British boy and like kind of like that and looking at it like in that sense, and I just find it so like bizarre and funny and it's funny that paul knows all about it too and just still today thinks it's hilarious i don't necessarily know if i believe it but it's one of those that's fun to research like it's i don't know what album it is but there's one where they're looking down at a staircase and that is supposedly the picture they took looking into paul mccartney's grave that's very interesting to me and then like you said, the uh, Abbey Road album, uh, when he was barefoot, that's because he was buried, yada, yada, yada. But truth is, you could write a song, or you could take Space, for example. You take that song, play it backward, and it say, I hate my life. And you not necessarily made it for that exact thing to say. You know, it's a big coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. So... Right. Had to write, hey, dude, and I just, like, yeah, yeah. It's not, I, I not really, <laughs> don't it, but I do think it's really funny. Thinking of it in the sense of, like, yep. I mean, when they explained it, they said, like, someone came up with the Paul is dead theory, and then the, the tons of fans, um, who were a lot of girls were just continued to dive deep into it and I kept thinking right. like, if that was One Direction or Swifties saying that like Taylor Swift is dead or Harry Styles is dead and continued to go on and find little things and then I started to think okay maybe the Beatles thought it was so funny the extent that they put little right. in there to just to keep that kind of a that like hype going and the thought of that alone is just super funny to me too yeah and maybe he is dead what what if he is there's nothing we're never gonna know it we're we can't prove it but one thing that's interesting to me is they did that kind of like you said like where's the one direction thing happening they kind of did that recently uh 10 15 years ago with avril lavigne where she was supposedly died and that's her stunt double or something like that yeah. i mean theory is used too many times that now i mean i'm sure the first right. time especially back then like the paul mccartney is dead theory it was probably just like a little bit more believable but now in this day and age after hearing like the avril lavigne theory and all right all the other 
Like, it's like, okay, we get it. We think that people die and then we replace them because their height of their fame has happened. People want to keep things and stuff like that. But man, just the thought of, <laughs> of that happening. And I wish I could have been a part of that era. <laughs> and this is going to kind of lead into the Elvis thing. Not really on purpose, but it's kind of how we went. Every time there's a celebrity death, somehow their dead body leaks online. Like it happened to like Chris Farley, Michael Jackson, Prince, all those things happened to. Where is the body of Paul McCartney? You know, the dead, where is it at? Where's the photo? You would ask me like four months ago, I'd say probably touring somewhere. Right, yeah. But, but yeah, it, I, I agree. It, it's nuts, but it's very fun to think about in, in, a, in a weird, dark way, I guess. Yeah. Along with, like, all the other uh, theories, I mean, of course, like, some of them I'm like, maybe it is true, I don't know. But then a lot of them are like, okay, it is fun to think about and just to question the norm think like oh maybe it could be you know because why not right but then again we're not going to prove any of this even if we do you're going to have no proof so leading into the Elvis thing like I said the body this is where it gets me if he died then he died but he was like they said 270 pounds when he died but then when you look in the casket he's like 125 that's the big red flag to me like what are you doing dude i never knew that but that is yeah because he'd have to be like my size so like that's what i'm saying like (laughs) sure you may have fluid but do you really have 150 pounds of fluid like how much time passed from the yeah to the uh, uh, funeral, but I did see that they misspelled his name. On- yeah. And that to me is like, for one, why why haven't they fixed it? And um, I think that just draws kind of into the like maybe. I mean, I I like the thought of you know I don't think he's still living, but I don't think he died when. Yeah. And um, I mean that thought. I think it's. I think it's definitely interesting. But the thought of like his name, like somebody so well loved and well known, name is spelled Tombstone. And some people I did read that think that is because it would have been taboo to write it correctly because he is. So, I mean. I don't, I don't know really what to say about it, but I did uh, look into another thing saying they had, like, a handwriting, um, like, like, a professional handwriter, like, looker person, and they examined, like, his death certificate signing and other doc, like, the letter that he wrote to uh, President Nixon, I believe. And they, like, compared it and examined it and analyzed it and did all their professional 
prayers and stuff, and they were like, the same person who wrote this letter signed his death certificate, and so they think that he also signed his own death certificate, which is kind of weird. Out, but, I mean, if this person who examined papers is like, yeah, it's the same handwriting based on, like, the angle that they held the pen and how they did the letters like this or whatever, I think that's really interesting, and it got me thinking, what if Elvis kind of, like, backtracking, had planned to fake his death and had somebody do all of his handwriting and so that people kind of would think that he was um, still alive after, or maybe just so he could get away with writing other documents or something, and so maybe he had, like, planned previously to fake his death, and so he had somebody always down for him. I mean, that would have been... <laughs> Going through... I, I, I agree to a certain extent because I've read so many books about how the hopes of Elvis, you know, and I think it could be because we're in denial because he's one of my favorites of all time. Um, and, and, and could we be in denial that he's dead? Sure, but what would it hurt me because I have this music to relive anyways. Yeah. But I do think if it's possible, he didn't die in August of 77 because he had this, he was a big numbers guy and he was just, I can't remember the name of the religion, but it was a certain religion and he had this book of numbers and he had to be like 22, 44, 38. And if that didn't line up correctly, he would switch it to where it made it perfect. It, yeah, it, it's a bunch of mumbo jumbo probably that was coming out of my mouth, but it, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't think it's weird to question, especially with somebody who is just so talented and so, so, to think like, oh, he's not. And, I mean, the only thing that I do find, like, fishy of it is, for one, the spelling of the tombstone being wrong. And no one correcting it yet but i feel like you know it would take a lot to fix that but like it's elvis so like what's stopping you and the handwriting i just there's something about like a professional person being like yeah this handwriting is the same person for sure in their professional opinion and it just being like okay so he wrote this letter and signed his death certificate, but he would have had to sign his death certificate after he died, so, like, how does that work? And so those are the two things that, just from what I know, that I'm like, hmm, that is quite, quite fishy. So he could be, he could still be fine right now, for all I know. He could be, like, in a pina colada on an island somewhere, having a blast, and hopefully he that would just—I mean, that sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, and one more thing on this Elvis thing that really gets me is in Graceland, which is Elvis says, "You're not allowed to go upstairs," and they don't give you an explanation. They say you can't go upstairs. I have come to the assumption that what if Elvis is still living upstairs in his room? 
quite fast. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that was a stupid uh, assumption. <laughs> like he's just chilling upstairs, listening to all these people. Right. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be the most non-obvious answer? Can you imagine if that's actually going on in like five, in like five years <laughs> now? He's like, hey guys, I'm still alive, and Netflix does a documentary. I'm in my room. <laughs> or like Netflix has been in on it since the, like, like for years and years and they've been recording like all these all this stuff that would be oh man i mean i guess and i would be right and i would be declaring my championship I... <laughs> that would just, that would just be like such a fulfilling like ending to such a such a funny theory you know like just like that that cat documentary I was talking about, it'd just be like a nice resolution. That we could be like, okay, so <laughs> this was how it was, and this is how it is now, and wow, that exceeded my expectations. Now going to what we know a lot about, which is the aliens um, conspiracy, whatever you want to call it. I was re-watching Scary Movie 3. I don't know if you've seen it, but they depict aliens as these blue guys. I've seen the first one. Um, okay. I don't remember a lot of it. I remember it being, like, it's supposed to be, like, really bad. Like, making fun. Of you mean dirty? Yeah. It's a parody. It's, it's well, a parody. Yeah. But no, but anyways, it's it's a stupid parody comedy movie, and they portrayed aliens as these blue guys. But I was looking at something today and said, and I'm just going off what I read. I don't know if I understand it, but apparently they can't be any color except for white if they are color, because something something with the gases and the stuff coming off the planets if they're coming from space it, it may have been a bunch of hogwash but that's just what i read this morning that's interesting. yeah i mean i have never really thought about i mean because you i mean you know i'm such a big marvel fan and seeing how they've portrayed um other forms of life in the universe i'm i'm just like on board with that but i've never thought about like um because I mean, it probably would turn any person, like, a different color. I mean, you could, I mean, I feel like the first one would be blue, because it's oxygen, and usually when humans don't have any air, they're, like, right. whatever. But, um, I mean, I like the idea that aliens kind of, like, resemble human beings, but have, like, the different qualities, like, how the Marvel Studios portrays them. I think, I think I just love Marvel so much that I'm just like, okay, show me whatever alien form you want, and I'm just gonna, I'm on board. That. But that's interesting that people are going through the lengths of what it would be to, like, be on a different planet in the surroundings of all that kind of stuff. 
I don't know. I don't know the right words for it, but I, I think you know what I'm talking about. Like you, I have a love for Marvel and superheroes in general, and they do portray aliens in a weird, a very interesting way, especially with the Captain Marvel. Uh, I don't. I don't know what they were called, but the way they portray it as they take human-like forms that that's kind of how i picture what an alien would be like yeah i mean i i can't believe, i'm stumbling upon the the name of those aliens but the green guys well, i'll look it up real quick while we talk yeah yeah and um ever since i saw that movie i have been so just like intrigued by the thought of like, after seeing that and Men in Black, I'm very intrigued by the thought of, like, an alien can, like, look at somebody and take their form and just... Right. Like that. Or, like, how they portrayed it in Men in Black, where they, like, have this whole kind of government situation with their, like, citizenship and their, like creating different humans for them to live as and it's not really any sort of like war kind of thing going on it's just like we just want to be a human i guess and the answer you're looking for is scroll yes scroll yeah what's your favorite uh marvel movie marvel character etc I don't think we talked about this last time. Uh, we, we went through my favorite Marvel characters on the first Okay. Where I responded with <laughs> each character. Um, but my favorite Marvel movie, um, probably Captain America Civil War. Um, or that, Endgame, or Spider-Man Far From Home. And... I, gosh, those ones, I think, I love, for sure love all of them, because that's just who I am. But those three in particular, um, I mean, the Civil War one, I love so much, because it just seems like each character has their own thing going on at the same time, and they still have to kind of try to come together and do their thing, but they can't because of all the other stuff going on, and... Seeing them kind of have their moment to kind of turn against each other before everything else goes on, which we learned about in Infinity War and Endgame, and I think it's just, it's an, it was an important movie to have for their character development, and I, it's, I mean, yeah, it's just my favorite one. And then also having the, like, first introduction. Super great to have, <laughs> but the um, Spider-Man: Far From Home. I saw that one in the movie too, and it was just so nice getting to have something from. Um, I mean, that one connected just now that I'm thinking about it. That one connected to Civil War too with. Um, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he played by Jake Gyllenhaal. Guy with the weird eyes. Um, the Mysterio. Evil, yeah, Mysterio. There we go. Um, he was at the conference that Tony Stark is giving in the beginning of Civil War, and 
his his uh his thing that with the acronym bar of um that Tony Stark is using, he was like there and he created that and that's kind of where his uh hatred of Tony Stark started and kind of going back to there and seeing everything kind of like unfold within all of that was really interesting. But then the plot twist at the end I mean it yeah. <laughs> like you, I went and saw it in the theater as well. And sorry to interrupt you, but here's what confused was we know Mysterio is a villain. And so I thought the whole movie were they were going to help each other and then Mysterio turned evil. You know, the end and the new the next one was going to be him find Mysterio. They threw us for a loop with that. With you know, Mysterio turning in the middle, and he's just like, okay. And then that plot twist, which I don't want to reveal, spoiler alert on it, but I just, I was like, oh my God, in the theater. I was just, I was blown away. I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> I, I, and I, I apologized at the theater, but I did, like, actually scream at that part, because I was just like, yeah. and everybody else, too, was just like, what, like, <laughs> what are we doing right kind of sassy and had all this attitude about it i mean all things considered like totally was appropriate emotions at that time but i think what they what what really got me like having an attitude about it was they had all this potential for so many more movies and then there was that little part of like last summer where they were like yeah Tom Holland isn't Spider-Man anymore we're not doing anything else with that and we were like wait <laughs> you you left us at this like plot twist and now you're not gonna right. continue onward with, like on with that like what and then thank goodness Tom Holland saved the day with that within like a phone call or something and um so luckily that happened but it was so it was so intriguing seeing how they set the tone for like the next era of Marvel with that in a way and uh, I mean that plot twist I love I'm a sucker for a good plot twist and that whole movie just had so many and, I mean that's part of the things that make a movie just so good especially with a story that's been told so many times and I mean, having Mysterio go from... Because I the whole time I was like, oh, he's going to be like... Maybe Mysterio is going to be kind of like his new mentor, kind of like how Tony was. And right. they're going to have this new bond. And then he went evil. And I was like, oh, Marvel, how dare you? But you know what? I'm okay because I love a good plot twist. And then the, the really good plot twist happened at the end. And I was not devastated, but just hopeful for the next move. <laughs> yeah, I, we have been through so many Spider-Man. We've been through three, but in my opinion, Tobey Maguire will always be my Spider-Man because I just watched it when I was little and I grew up on it. And then they put the plot twist on us on the third one with Tobey Maguire where, you know, Harry died, was yada, yada, yada. And then they just left it off and then came up with this stupid amazing spider-man and then they that goes away and then tom holland's here and i'm just like okay this is actually pretty decent i like it 
And then they announced that they're not going through with it anymore. At that point, I was done with Sony and I was done with Spider-Man. I know. I, I was, I had so many just like emotions about it. And I was in denial for so long. And then it was like, yeah, they're really not going to continue with Tom Holland. And I was just like in denial. I was like, okay, it's not actually happening. It's probably just a joke and yada yada and then it really looked like it wasn't going to continue on and I was just heartbroken and then I saw on probably Twitter or something that Tom Holland saved the day and oh I didn't know that yeah I, I believe it's fine now if not that's me just still being in denial about it but I no 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 it is fine now but I didn't, I didn't know Tom Holland had anything to do with saving it watch any of them live okay. but I watched YouTube of them and he was telling somebody maybe it was Jimmy Fallon maybe it was James guys and um, he was like um, there was something happened and he got really emotional about it and he was like crying to one of the people who were like in charge of it and okay. just saying like this Spider-Man means so much to him and so many people and it's just going to be devastating to so many people involved and I think the conflict of it was like Sony and Disney were like butting heads and they had to break apart which means that I think either Sony wouldn't be able to have something to do with Spider-Man or Disney wouldn't and so Tom Holland Spider-Man just couldn't be anymore if Sony and Disney couldn't come to it, which they couldn't until Tom Holland had like done his phone call to the head person and saved the day. And so, I mean, what a real life Spider-Man just being that hero and <laughs> finding, finding the people in charge that he is important. <laughs> Sony owns Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, and a couple of others. So, in that instance, Marvel wouldn't be able to use Spider-Man anymore. Which, I think Marvel and the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe, and putting him with the Avengers is the best thing for Spider-Man that he's done. I agree. So, with, 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 if that was to go away, I was fearing that they were going to go with their own project and just scrap what all Marvel did and just go with the third movie based off of something totally different when they left us with a cliffhanger in the second one. So. I was going to protest. I was like, in my head, I was like in denial, but I think I told one of my friends, I was like, if this is like actually going to go through, I will make a sign and go, <laughs> go in front of whatever building I need to and protest it because it was just, it just, I... I mean, for me, with all the other Spider-Mans, I, like, I always loved the idea of Spider-Man, but could not get on board with the other um, actors who played them and, like, those storylines. But once the Tom Holland's um, portrayal of Spider-Man came out, I was immediately just, like, I mean, it, and for one, I mean, Spider-Man is supposed to be this very young kid like a kid who is yeah. trying to be that friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, and I just don't think I really saw that with the other ones. And so seeing, especially in Civil War, 
him come home. Anthony's on the couch talking to Tony Stark, and he looks for one like a little kid. He sounds like a little kid, and just the look and the sound and the behavior was all just like matching to what Spider-Man, what his character really is. And so I think that's why I was like early on board with it, because a lot of times um, movies and TV shows portray like 14-year-old as looking like 20 olds and so when Tom Holland came out looking super duper young for sure like a 14 year old it was like okay they're getting their casting done very well and so and he's such a great actor too and gosh I mean those those British boys they're doing pretty good <laughs> and Tom Hiddleston and the other uh Strange <laughs> All of them are just so amazing. Wow. And it's weird it, it, that you don't know the British if you just watch the movies. You don't do research. You just think they're American. It's, 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 it's wild. I know. I didn't know he was British until I um, went through, like, a rabbit hole of, like, Tom Holland videos on YouTube. And I was like, oh, he's British. This is even better. Yeah. Well, see, the first person that came out to me was like, oh, they're talking an American accent, but they're really British, was um, Hugh Laurie, the guy from House. That that was a shocker to me. I was like, you, what are you doing? You're talking a different language. You know, it was, but I was, God, eight, nine, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I did not know that for the, not for the longest time, but like when I was younger... I didn't know that people, like, would do different accents to portray a different character until I saw a movie where Emma Watson was, like, being an American. And I was like, wait, but she's British. Why is she not? Why, where did her British accent go? And they're like, well, it's for the movie. And I was like, well, that's dumb. She sounds so great. <laughs> but, but I, so I was listening to Chris... I was listening to Chris Hardwick's podcast and he had Tom Holland on there and Tom Holland was saying that the reason British guys can do American accent way better than we can do British is because all they watch over there is American television. And we don't, I can't name one British show that I watch. Um, I mean, Harry Potter. <laughs> I've never seen him. You've never seen Harry Potter? Oh, no. My sister has been wanting to watch them, and I felt that... It's like, it's like a part of life. Like, you have to go through that. And I, I get, like, why a lot of people... And I don't, I mean, I don't know your reason for watching it, but I know a lot of people don't watch it because they're like, oh, I don't like wizard stuff or stuff like that. But it's not about, like, wizarding stuff. It's so, it's like so much more than that. It's it's good. I mean, I mean, I hope you watch it at some point because I wish that like I could erase my memory of Harry Potter and like rewatch everything and reread the books and be introduced to that world brand new again. So I mean, luckily you have this opportunity where you could see it for the first time of your life and be exposed to the Harry Potter because it really is just so amazing. 
mean, it's it's incredible. Well, to answer your the reason why I haven't watched them was when I was growing up, I was told that it was witchcraft and I wasn't allowed to watch it because I grew up in a Christian household. And yeah. that's one reason, like, when I was listening to music, I couldn't listen, for some reason, only country and gospel because the rest was, air quote, devil music. And my sister has been wanting to watch the Harry Potter movies because someone's been telling her that they're great. And I was like, well, I need some new movie to re- movies to review on the podcast. I was like, well, maybe I'll watch them with you. And I haven't had a chance to, but I think I'm going to watch them here in the next, watch the first one at least in the next couple of days. But there's like 15 of them, isn't there? There, no, there's only eight. And <laughs> the, thing, the thing about it, and I totally only. Like, I know, that's so funny to say. Um, but I totally relate with you on that, because when I was growing up, um, I I wasn't allowed to watch, like, Wizards of Waverly Place on Disney Channel. Me neither. And then my mom read the Harry Potter books, and she completely, like, changed her mind about it, because it is, it is so, so much more than witchcraft and wizardry and all this stuff. And if you, I mean, when, when you watch the first Harry Potter movie, don't be (laughs) deceived because the first like two of them are, are really more kind of like kids movies. But then as you, as the start of the third movie is like, you feel this tone change. And then as you go on, it gets more into like, okay, it's like PG-13 now and everything's a lot darker and the story is really unfolding and. Right. The first two, they're kind of really introducing the characters, and they're 11 and 12, and just kind of starting out, and they're awkward, and they're, like, still figuring out how to be friends, and Harry is, like, doesn't know much about the wizarding world or anything, and they're just kind of going through life in school, but then there's this new turn at the third one, and then it gets darker and darker as you go, and the story I mean, going through the first time for you, it'll be so cool to see what you think about it, uh, because the story gets so much darker and so intertwined. And I mean, I think you you will really like it. It is such a now. Good is it like Star Wars? Because I watched Star Wars not knowing that I would love like it, and then wound up loving it. So it's kind of like that. Do I have to watch them in certain orders? Yes. Or just go straight one through you eight. You gotta go one, one through eight. Okay, okay, okay. Um, thank goodness. But um, but if you, I mean, reading a book is a lot harder to do because it takes up a lot more time. But um, but if you ever do in your in your life get a chance to read the books, I highly suggest reading the books too, um, because there's so much more that doesn't really get across in the movies but man the movies did as well of a job as they could to get the whole story across and um and there was this one idea that i i tell my mom i come up with like spin-off versions of tv shows of movies or different tv shows all the time and i tell my mom and she's like tell twitter and tweet them and I'm like, but um i had an idea and it like, doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it doesn't I work had this like 
very cool idea where in the like Harry Potter story, um, there's this group called the Marauders, and it's like Harry Potter's dad and his friends when they were going to Hogwarts school and they were kids. And I was like, Hulu or Netflix or somebody should make a story of like Harry Potter's dad and his friends going through Hogwarts and make that a TV series. So that would be so cool to watch. But you for sure have got to see the all, I mean, all of the movies. You can't just like watch the Sorcerer's Stone and be like, no, this isn't really for me. You have to see the whole thing and then decide if you're <laughs> a super fan of it. I will watch it. I will watch the first one. In the next couple of days, and I'll let you know what I think. Oh, please do. Oh, such good movies. I have them right here. Only because, only because. I only watch it because I watched Star Wars going into it. I was going to hate it and wound up loving it. So that's the only reason why I would. And they just seem boring to me. I mean, I know, I know how the last one ends because I have a cousin that is a fan of it and told me, which I didn't really care. But I, I know how the last one is. Isn't uh, doesn't uh, the main guy die or um, something like that? Harry? Or am I wrong? Yeah, right. Um, is that right? Yeah, yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> kind of like Frozen Two, how you thought that Elsa died and then turned out she did it. with me i tried to get into star wars and i just wasn't really um i wasn't really as interested in it as harry potter because it didn't i like things that i'm like in the back of my mind i'm like this could potentially be real and star wars to me just was not one of those things compared to harry potter where it's like a completely secret like part of the world and no one knows about it, but like you know, your best friend could be a wizard, and you don't know, and that's why they're that's where they're going off to their weird boarding Scotland. You know, it could be real, but we don't really know. And I like that kind of thing. But I feel I feel like you really would like the the Harry Potter storyline if you give it a chance and watch for sure more than just the first two, because I mean my favorite. One of my favorite characters isn't isn't even introduced until the third movie. So you gotta. You're asking you're asking me to dedicate a lot of time. I can probably read the books quicker than three and a half hours. <laughs> in two days. So I'll move. That, that's back to back. Yeah, you got. I mean, to go through all eight of them, it takes like two days, in between like getting a good eight hours of sleep a night and like for sure snack breaks and like discussion breaks on what just happened in the movie which I always like to leave time for myself personally because I talk a lot always through movies and so I always have to pause it with the person I'm watching with and discuss me it too. with them me too. So, so yeah I mean I I would highly if you're going to watch them I, I would highly recommend you watching them like in a two-day period or even like a three-day period just because the story just kind of continues on and when you watch them just like all the way through in a marathon type situation it really 
lets you remember the thing that you kind of just saw since you're not familiar with it, which is so cool because, I mean, I don't know anybody else who has not seen him, seen them, except for my dad, but I've told him everything, so he doesn't really ask. Didn't really care. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I would dedicate 76 hours to... Long, I'll give three and a half days to watch uh, all eight films, I guess. And I, I think that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, you got, I mean... But I got to pay for them, don't I? Don't, don't I got to pay like $5 a piece? Um, I don't think they're on any kind of streaming service. I don't... I don't know if they're on any streaming service. I just... I mean, I have, like, the DVD collection literally, like, right here. Uh on my desk um because i watch them so often but um i i would not be surprised if like abc is doing like a moving marathon because when any whenever anything okay. happens it they're like for christmas time it's like there's a harry potter marathon going on for easter harry potter marathon okay. going on fourth of july harry potter Mar like any literally any event like they could be like oh like like quarantine there's a harry potter marathon going on always a harry potter marathon because people just love to watch them all the way through every single day all day long <laughs> i can watch the first two no problem for some weird reason i have them on blu-ray i don't know why i don't know who bought them but the things will be the other six so I'm going to get around to watch them. I'm going to give three or four days, and I'm going to watch all eight. Um, I'm going to do a whole freaking podcast just on talking about Harry Potter with eight films. Can't do one on, like, three minutes. But you have new music coming out. I believe I saw on your Instagram. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. What? Because I didn't realize, as of right now, we're talking – your first episode hasn't come out yet, but it, as we're talking, but once it goes up, it will be up. Uh, I, I didn't realize how good of a jam space was until I put it in for the podcast. So hopefully you got more like that coming because I'm usually a valid, slow person, just yeah. always have been. So that kind of has like a Hawaiian feel, I guess you could say, kind of like yeah. a Elvis Hawaiian vibe. Yeah, the ukulele really helped with that. I mean, space was, it was so much fun to record, and it was just one of those, like, I mean, when, when you go to a studio and you have the intention of recording something, you go in with a plan, and um, for me, I had spent, like, two weeks prior really putting together um, these demos with the producer who I was working with, and... We were we made like Spotify playlists of reference songs and just like the mood that we wanted it to convey and all this stuff because I went in initially uh, just for an EP and so with space and uh, the next single that I'm gonna be releasing very soon um, I had no demo I don't think. Um, or if I did, it was just, like, me singing in a guitar. And I had okay. not a lot, if any, no time to really think about, like, what I wanted for the songs. Because we kind of, 
went into the studio thinking we were only going to record the EP and saw that we had a lot more time to get two more songs done. And so Space was kind of just like, okay, I have this song. Um, it should. I just want it to be really fun and upbeat. And the players and my producer was like, okay, what instruments do you got? And we just kind of went through instruments. And uh, ukulele was one of them. Um, the mandolin, the banjo, just so many different things. And I was like, let's just track it and see how it sounds. And the more we added, the more fun we continued to have with it. And so, I mean, space is just one of those rare instances where... I had no idea what I wanted because I had no time to think about it. And it, everything with that song just fell so perfectly into place. And I am so happy with how Space came out. And I was so worried in the beginning that nobody was going to like it. I was like, it starts with ukulele and it's just so like honky tonkish. And I've made it very known that I'm country pop. And I don't know if the people who have been following me for a long time are going to like it, but it, has done so well over all the streaming platforms and everybody just seems to love the song so I'm so happy that people have been able to enjoy it as much as I enjoyed getting to record it that day in the studio when you write a song what is going through your mind like are you writing about okay I'm kind of aggravated, agitated at the world, so I'm going to write about that. Does that, does that ever reflect your writing on your feeling, what you're, what you're feeling at that moment? Yeah. Um, okay. I think, I, I think that I don't have, I mean, I've written so many songs. I mean, if I showed you my catalog, um, it's just so many songs. But um, it's, it's hard for people to really tell what my writing is right now because of the songs that I have out, there's not as many songs released as there are written. And so I think that with um, with this next song that I'm going to release, and especially with the EP, I think people are going to really see how I write um, a lot more, just because there will be more songs out there. But um, usually when I'm writing a song, there has been some either something that has happened to me that I need to get off my chest want to talk about with anybody else except with my guitars and um, I just need to get it out I want to write about it and you can really tell by the words that I use and so a lot of the time when I'm angry um, I like to use the metaphor of like fire and um, okay just like and you can tell like especially in the EP because the EP that's going to come out this summer is um it's a it surrounds the idea and theme of like loss and just anger and grief and then like kind of going in and moving on and just kind of that theme and so in the first few songs of the ep there's a lot of anger and you can really tell by the words that i'm using and there's a lot of angst and i do a lot of like belting kind of screaming ish in the songs just because I'm conveying the really angry emotion. But when I was writing those songs, um, way before I even thought I was going to record them, I was most likely like sitting on my bed like crying because normally when 
people, or just for me, I know that when I'm writing an angry song, I'm usually very sad and upset, and usually I, like, cry a lot when I write those songs, and then after, I'm like, why was I sad about this when I'm just angry and just need to, like, let it out, and so usually I change it from, like, a ballad to a really angry song, and there's two that are going to be on the EP that are just the most angry and sassy and teenage angst songs that I've probably ever written and it'll be interesting to see what people think about that because I don't think anyone has really seen that side of me quite yet because I have um, my latest single space and I'm just like it's sassy and it's upbeat and it's fun and right. it's and about you and it's you know falling in love and it's just kind of that first love of a teenager kind of feel and everything before that is just kind of more like demo kind of stuff that I've done and got you yeah and so now I think that getting to release all this music that I've really poured my heart and soul into is gonna be so cool but I mean like I said there's a lot of songs that you know when I'm writing them I'm usually feeling just such a heavy emotion like anger sadness and usually I write my best when I'm going through something specifically um, which I was in the case of all these singles that I'm releasing in the EP and um, and whenever I'm not really going through something usually there's just like an idea or something I saw in a movie or a feeling that someone was telling about or maybe a friend was telling me about the relationship and they said something specific that I thought would be a cool line in a song so I write a song all about their relationship with their person and yeah I mean with writing songs anything really goes but the best songs are written when you're going through the emotions in that specific time if that makes sense I agree I no, I know. I agree because I always knew I wanted to do something in the music genre. I didn't know what it was. So I was always a fan of the songwriting process. So from the time I was eight to probably 20, I was writing these songs and they were terrible. But then I found my niche and I was like, I love stand-up comedy. So I was like, I'm a funny guy, so I want to do stand-up. So as I'm working on my bits, I'm like... I, get inspiration from like Adam Sandler, Bob Saget to get these funny parody songs out there. And I wrote a couple like, and it is going to be sound funny, but I support it hundred percent. Like I took Eric Clapton's wonderful tonight and made, she's a transgender. All right. And then I took like Brooks and Dunn's if you see her and I made it, if you see her, or if you see him, tell her I'm gay, or something like just this, just this funny thing that you could probably never say. Yeah. But when I was man, nineteen twenty, my family just uh, personal things happened, and I was talking to my therapist, and they were talking, and they were like, "Why don't you just put your feelings out? Just how you like listening to music, trying to do it." And I was sending it over to some of my artist friends, and it was called Daddy Drank. And it, they, I had one friend that was just FaceTiming crying. It was just like, this is one of the best songs I've ever heard in my life. And it was, it's not a, oh, look, I can write this and that. It's just really when you do get in that mindset of, this is what I want to do right now, 
it can come out and be a great song. Yeah, and one of the things, um, that is so cool. Um, one of the things that, and you said something that uh, reminded me of, one of the things that I do in like my songwriting process is um, I like to um, put my voice memos on. And if I'm going through a situation that I'm like, because sometimes some situations that I've gone through were just like a little bit too heavy for me to really process at the certain moment and I wouldn't want to write a song about it yet and so I would put my voice memos on my phone and just kind of talk about what's going on and um, just say like this happened and this happened and this is how I feel about it and this is how I hope I feel about it in a few weeks after I move on from whatever happens or if I move on from whatever happens and then once I'm ready to be express myself musically with it I like to go back and listen to that and listen to the way that my voice was speaking and use certain words I had used when I was talking about whatever happened and then I'll take parts of that and I'll put it in a song or I'll write like a diary entry and take parts of that and put it in a song but most of the time I um I usually am just going through something and I'll just kind of I like to say, like, I just vomit out songs sometimes where I just am writing and writing and I just hear it and I write it and then it's done. And I'm like, yippee, there's another song. Um, but, I mean, I mean, for sure, you yeah, after hearing what you said, um, best songs when you're going through something. Um, whether it's good or bad, it's just that's I'm curious because I was talking to a, to a friend. Uh, never on it wasn't on the podcast, but I was talking about how I had this uh, outgoing with an artist, and he or she is a kind of a big name artist. And I had this. I was friends from the beginning when they first started, and fame got to their head, and it was just you know body car accident kind of. So. What would you do if someone you were, let's say you have a friend, they want to be a musician, and they jump higher than you before you can? Obviously, there's going to be some jealousy there, but how would you take that? Like, because, because I want to know how are you going to take someone getting close to you and just using you as a trampoline or as a stepping stone to jump up? I, I want to know how you would take that because that shows how mind strength you are. interesting and this has always been a quality of mine that I've like secretly admired I suppose um I don't get jealous and whether it's okay. like, in a relationship or it's like uh, like music competition whatever you want to call it I I just don't get jealous I I get so excited for people when especially my friends when I see them succeeding and it's so awesome getting to see the people who I love and who have been inspired by succeed, whether they've been doing it for longer than me, whether they've been doing it for uh, like a year compared to me where I've been doing it for almost six years now. I'm always just so excited because when one, when one of the smaller people succeed, all the smaller people succeed in my eyes. And it's 
exciting and I feel like if it was me um, I would want to have people to talk to about it and to be excited with and I mean if I mean I know for me I don't get jealous I would want to just lift those people up more because I always try to think okay if this was happening to me what would I want other people's reactions were close to me to be and I'd want somebody to be excited with me you know like beside my mom and having yeah. that kind of support is something that I and I think that you know especially when like in a situation like what you're saying when like say I have a friend who's been going at this for about a year and they get a record deal and I've been doing this for like almost six years and I'm still just putting out some songs and an EP. I'm still independent, going pretty smooth, but the person who I'm close with has been doing this for a year, gets a record deal, yada yada, whatever. I would be so excited to see where they were going to go. And I don't think that a lot of people, or at least I don't know if a lot of people think that same way, um, which is interesting, but I know that if it was me on the other side, I would want people to be excited with and people to talk to about it with. And so I always just try to think, you know, if that was to happen, I want to be there for my friends who I love so dearly. And there's only, I mean, it's so weird in the music industry because there's people who you work with and there's people who you're acquaintance with and people who going for years but if there was an accident you know could never really mention it to them and so I like to think um that my true friends are the people who for one have never really used me anything because that has happened a couple of times where people have tried to use me so I would like share something and they could possibly get more like YouTube views or something and I I'm, like, so much more aware of that now, luckily, and, um, so I like to think that my true friends are, like, the people who I would call and let them know if I was in an accident, or if I had, like, a family member pass away, I'd let them know how I was doing, and then there's the people who check up on me, see how I'm doing during self-quarantine, and just, I think that there's this line that you have to put with yourself between, like, jealousy and knowing who your friends are and knowing how to support them in their time and knowing that they will support you when it's your time as well. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I kind of thought how I worded my question came out a little strange, uh, but I think you got the point across. But I want to hit on something you said, what if that person, you know, I've been working for six or seven years and I don't even really, I have one song out or I have this out, but that person you know, steps above you and gets one year has a, you know, six number one singles. And right before you do, who is going to, let me see how I'm going to word this. You would be more grateful, I think, or the person that has been grinding it out would be more grateful than the person that would have it just started and got something. Because you know the downfall of it of, oh, well, if I go poor or if this goes badly, I know how to go back to living EP to EP. You know, if that makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that, you know, there are so many people who have been um, doing music independently for so long, and they've 
Um, just kind of getting this routine. Okay, I'm going to release a few singles, then an EP, a few singles, EP. I'm going to reach out to record labels and publishers and all these people. And if it works out, if it works out, if it doesn't, it doesn't. And then there's somebody who, you know, hasn't even released anything ever. And they're just starting to write songs and they're just kind of interested in music and they like, they like to sing and they get a record deal. And I think that for a lot of people who've been doing this for a long time, it can be frustrating, but I think that if you let it get to you, um, then I, then, I mean, it's just not worth getting mad about because I think that everything happens for a reason and whatever is going to happen is going to happen, but there, it's, there's no race to the top. And everybody's on their own timeline, so, I mean, so lucky of the people who have never released anything, they love to sing, they're an amazing singer, uh, they're starting to get into writing songs, and they get a record deal, and all this amazing stuff is happening to them. That must be just so exciting, but I think that, you know, having the journey and going along for so long and really finding out who you are as an artist, how you like to write, the people who you love to work with, and really knowing who your real friends are during that time is really important. And, you know, I mean, like I said, everybody's on their own timeline, so comparing and competing is just such a waste of time to me, because, you know, it doesn't matter. There's no, there's no race. Whatever is going to happen is going to happen, and you have to be patient with it. And that really goes... Well, right, right. I don't know how long you got, but I just got a few more questions for you if you can stick around. Um, so, what is your mindset or your image for success? Like, what do you think success is in your mind? If, if it's money and fame, then that's fine. But I just want to pick your brain. What is success to you? Um, I think, you know, I've thought about that for a really long time because a lot of people have asked me that and I never really know what to say because I'm always like, well, I want to reach my goals and do all this stuff. It, it never has really felt like an answer and I kind of figured it out that my ideal version of success is just me being in a place where I am happy and surrounded by, you know, people who I love and people who I can trust and people who love me back. And so I think just my version of success is just happiness because I could be, you know, at the Taylor Swift level where I live in a mansion and I have and just all the money in the world and yada yada. But like, do you want to be that famous, though? That's too famous. I mean, I, I don't think there is such I want to be. I want to be regionally known in moderate areas or moderately known in regional areas. I just want to be known just a little bit. I don't want to be, I can't go to Walmart because i got to have six bodyguards around me. To me, that's too much. Yeah, I but know. if I do get into that state, then I will be grateful. But yeah. it's just, I don't... I never want to aim for that. Yeah, I mean, I think that, especially with music, it's, I don't think that 
you can really plan on it. I think that whatever happens is just going to happen, because, especially now because there's such this mindset of like going viral. And um, I'm trying to think of an example, like um, like Rebecca Black. You know, she had her okay. it's Friday, and she probably right. never thought that was going to blow up as big as it did. And so I think that with music, it's it's hard to plan on the amount of fame that you want and what you're going to get. And because I could be as well known as I am right now the rest of my life, or I could have a song just happen to hit number one on the global charts and I get to Taylor Swift fame. And that would be pretty cool too. And I think for me, I, I mean, for fame, you can't plan it and there's no way to set the goals because like for a normal, normal traditional job, I should say, you can like get to one level and you can try to get a promotion and get higher in the company, but there isn't really that for the music industry. It's just kind of, you know, if the people like you, you will know. And if you're at that much level of fame, it's either people love you and also hate you and you know at the end of the day what really matters is are you happy and I think that's why I've really started to say okay my version of success is am I happy because you know I could be at the Taylor Swift level of success with you know all the money and the mansions and all the time in the world to do whatever I want I could put out music I could do anything else because I'm just that famous or whatever and but can I would I be able to enjoy it if I was unhappy and so I mean I just think that for fame you can't plan it you can't try to plan a road to get that much success it's either going to happen or it's not going to happen so I think that planning to try to live a life that makes you happy is better than trying to live a life that gets you famous that makes sense <laughs> yeah if my if this my podcast my production company was to just go up in flames right now i would be sad but i would also be happy because i wanted to get to the point where i could stop asking people to come on and people could ask me to come on the show which i think for a small town fat guy like me doing the podcast would never happen but it's happened and it's just like you and I say this because I'm still in my hometown where I grew up. And do you ever have the feeling that you can't ever have a bad attitude or a bad mood once you go into town? Because if you run into someone, oh, it's already went to his head. He's too big for his pants. He can't do this or that. I have I, I live with that anxiety fear every day. Uh, yeah, I have this weird fear that like, um, or I'm not afraid of like. I feel like people always ask me, like, do you think, like, if you get super famous, it'll go to your head? And I just don't think that that would happen for me because I've grown up with such a weird, like, not dynamic, but, like, after doing the ballet, I was so, like, disciplined and critiqued in such a way that I have people around me who I, for one, absolutely love and adore, for two, who I know absolutely love and adore me. And I make sure that they, you know, not, like, be mean to me, but, but like, 
Um, like, don't, like, paint rainbows and hearts around my entire life. Like, my mom, when I am, uh, like, I know my friends will go shopping with their mom. Their moms will say they look cute in any outfit. And whenever I'm going out and <laughs> mom, uh, only for stage clothes ever, because that's all I buy, <laughs> um, um, she'll be super harsh and people like around are like what is this mom who like hates her daughter like saying like what and I'm like no like I would rather somebody tell me that I look bad in something or that I sound bad do saying something or singing something than have like a false reality of love and truth I suppose and so I've like I like that mindset. Ballet really drilled that into me that, you know, everything you do is not ever going to be perfect, but you can have happiness, whether it's perfect or not. And I would rather have that than, you know, thinking everybody in the world loves me. Because <laughs> I know for sure that, like, no matter what amount of fame you have, whether you you're not trying to be famous, whether you're, you are trying to be famous, whether you work at Subway or you're like the co-owner of Amazon, there's going to be people who love you and people who hate you and there's nothing you can do about it. And so you might as well accept the people who love you and like just brush off the people who hate you because it's not worth any energy. Well, I look at it this way. Would you much rather be Oprah Winfrey, or would you much rather be the Queen of England? Now, Oprah Winfrey grew up dirt poor. Now she's the richest woman in the world. She can easily lose all the money and know how to go back dirt poor and know how to survive. Queen of England, on the other hand, has no clue how to live with $2 in her pocket to last for two weeks. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. Because I, I definitely see people who um, just have, like, all the money in the world and are trying to do the same things that I'm doing. And it's not frustrating seeing that people are able to, like, afford to, like, put out singles more often and, like, right. have, like, super amazing music videos more often. Because I'm somebody who, um, like, my parents have never paid anything musically for me except for my voice lessons <laughs> and um so like every single music video you see i pay for strictly through like shows and music and streaming revenue and every single i have paid you know the producer i paid for studio time i pay for my plane tickets my hotel room everything just by doing music and it took a long time to figure out a way how to do that and somehow I figured it out. And so now I know that, you know, if I don't get to the Taylor Swift level of fame and just have endless amount of money and I know that I'll be fine forever, I know how to get by with as little as possible. And I don't have that want for unnecessary things, which I feel just so grateful for because I come from a family who encourages me to try to be as independent as I can because you never know what the future is going to bring and so I'd rather be prepared than having to rely on other people when you don't know what you know their plan is in life either so seeing other people just kind of like not like 
be ungrateful for what they have, but just kind of be unaware of what amount of luck they have to be in the position they are can sometimes be kind of frustrating. But then I think to myself, you know, let that go because it doesn't matter. Just focus on yourself and <laughs> all that stuff. A couple more questions for you. Uh, I'm going to tell a short story because it's going to lead to another question. So I got my shirts made for the podcast, yada, yada, yada. And I was sending some off to a couple of listeners and a couple of friends. And I was at the post office. And they have a six foot, you know, you can't come within six feet of the other person. Well, I had my mask on, had my gloves on. There was a guy that I swear to God could have pickpocketed me. He was standing so close, no mask, breathing down my neck. I turned around and was like, hey, dude, can you please back up five and a half more feet? And my biggest pet peeve is not following rules. Well, right behind smacking and whispering when you're around me. And it, it, it's a bunch of anxiety stuff. So but what would be your biggest pet peeve? I don't like people who come up to me and touch me without permission. <laughs> and it happens, I got you. It happens so often. And I, every single time, I'm, like, shocked. Because, like, people will come up to me <laughs> and, like, um, like, they'll go to shake my hand. And I won't really be, like, reaching out for it, but they'll grab my hand anyway. Or they'll come up and give me a hug out of nowhere. Or they'll give me a hug from behind. And I'm, like, I don't know who you are. I understand yep that you know you like my music but like please don't touch me and there's people who um and i've i for sure have gotten used to it because i um before i started working with uh, this company called gigs for you who uh basically just like book me places that get me paid which is so amazing and i love them so dearly but before i did that i would go to pike place market in seattle and sing for tips and um, I'm so glad I don't have to do that anymore because, for one, it was really hard. You can only sing for an hour. But the people um, were so, like, there was for sure, like, amazing people, absolutely. But there were always people who were just gross and, like, it was always older men. And there was, like, there, I'll, I'll never forget, there was this one time where I was playing and I was talking to this guy. He was definitely older, looked like he could be like my dad's friend. And so normally when they're, when I see like an older guy, probably in his 40s, I'm a little bit more, not comfortable, but just like, I'm a little bit more okay with it because of my dad, like I trust him. So I'm like, okay, if it was like one of his friends, it'd be fine, you know? Right. So he comes up to me and I'm holding my guitar. So like, I'm kind of just like this, because that's kind of how you, the guitar and he comes up and he touches my elbow and he's like um oh gosh what did he say he was like so what's your name and he like touched my elbow and i immediately mm. called security because i was like this is like don't don't touch me like don't even get near me like this isn't appropriate especially because i was like 14 at the and so oh, okay. i've had yeah and so i've had so many instances where people think that and you know it's not only men it's also like women and just anybody in the world who like just think it's okay to like give me a hug or a handshake or whatever um because and i think like 
I'm not saying like it's also my fault because it's definitely not. But <laughs> I think think that when you're so open online, you will also be very open in real life. And so when people come up to me um, wanting a hug, I am always like going to hug them back because I feel like it's rude right. not to. But if you are under the age of like six and or no over the age of 16 sorry and you're like a parent and you're gonna come up behind me and try to hug me from behind and act like you know me because you've been following me on social media for the past three months but i have no idea who you are, and i didn't see you coming and you're touching me and i don't know you it's like like ugh, like please don't touch me <laughs> that's like my biggest thing and like with this job that I chose for myself, like I, I love yeah. to hug people. I love to shake people, but I don't want it to be with you know me knowing that that's what's going on. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't want people to touch me because I'm a germaphobe, and I don't want. Because how many people have touched their butt in the last thirty minutes and are gonna right? like, put out your hand? Butt. Yeah. And you know what like what you said, um, another one for me is rules. Like ever since I was little, I would like for play dates, I would go to friends' houses and I'd go up to their mom and say, Okay, what are the rules? <laughs> and and the mom would be like Oh, I bet you're a terrible friend. <laughs> See, I I am I feel like I'm a great friend, uh, because I'm the friend I was just joking. I don't want you to take that too serious. I know, I know. But I'm like, I'm that friend who will stop the other friend from doing something that we're not supposed to. Like, if I had a friend who was like, let's sneak out tonight and go, like, sit by the, like, let's go to the beach, like, at 2 a.m. tonight. I'd be like, no, we're not doing that. I'm not going to let you do that. Like, that's... For sure unsafe, and we shouldn't go anywhere at 2 a.m. Like we're staying. I'm staying the night at your house. Let's let's chill. Like I'm I'm the fr- I'm like the mom friend. That's like maybe. No, I, I, I was the same way. And to me, it wasn't. What if something happens to me during there? I was like, what if something happens to me to my parents? So because if I if something's going to go down, yeah, yeah I'm going to get like, grounded for, for sure. Yeah. Out, yeah. Me though, because I have never in my life been grounded. Because I, oh. um, I, I, am not like I'm not gonna call myself a perfect child. Because without a doubt, I am 100% not a perfect like daughter, a perfect person in any way, shape, or form. But I've never been grounded because my parents just have never like needed to. Like I think like. The long, like, I've never had a curfew. The longest I've ever, like, stayed out was, like, I was hanging out with a friend at their house with a bunch of other, a bunch more of our friends. And it was, like, we were playing, I think, like, Jenga. And the time went by, and it was, like, 2 a.m. And I was, like, I need to go home now because I don't want to, like, fall asleep driving because that's very unsafe. And so... <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so most of the time, like, all my friends are, like, oh, I have curfew or whatever, and I'm just like, I don't have a curfew because I just go home when I get tired, which is usually around 6 p.m. So, 
Um, yeah, I've never, I never needed to be grounded because I think that my parents just wouldn't know how to ground me because I'm just, I find, I entertain myself easily, which thank goodness my parents taught me how to do because with, especially in this pandemic, I see a lot of people, like even you said, like, everyone's so bored and I've found, I have not been bored at all during this entire thing and I've found new things to do every single day and I think part of that is just oh, yeah, yeah. being like go take your little self and go find something to do entertain yourself and I always have found a way to do that but yeah it's so it's so funny I've never been grounded never had a curfew I get too tired too easily so I just go home then <laughs> you're kind of like me you're kind of close to your parents uh, mom specifically so here, here's where I am in this pandemic. I find stuff to do. Like, I've cleaned more than I can ever clean in my life. Just to get something to do. But it's like, I could stay in my room. I could read a book. I could play a video game. But I could be in there watching a movie or helping mom out in a specific way. And I feel guilty in that sort. If I'm just in my room all day. Which my sister can lay in a goddamn bed all day. And she doesn't care. Yeah. But do you, do you ever feel that? With yeah, as well. Absolutely. I think the other day, um, I was like, I was, what was I doing? I was sitting in my room watching my new TV show that I'm watching right now is Lost, like the early 2000s show where they're on the island, yada yada. I've never watched that either. Oh, such a good show. It's on Hulu. You ever have a chance? I'm not gonna start it. I'm not gonna start it. It's ten yeah. seasons. I'm not gonna start it. Oh, it's there's so many seasons. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> but um, but I'm currently watching that. And a few days ago, um, I was just, like, laying in bed, like, watching Lost, just scrolling on my phone, just, like, kind of relaxing, which I never do because I never have this much time on my hands. And um, and my mom, I knew that she was sitting in the backyard because we have, like, a fire pit, and so she likes to go and cross-stitch out in the backyard and let our dog run around. And I thought, like, I really should go sit with her. Like, she's probably just sitting there by herself, like, just with Doug. And so I went and I sat with her. And so I definitely feel like, um, or if I know that, like, my mom is, like, making dinner and I'm just, like, in my room on my phone, I'm like, I'm going to go be on my phone and give her some company. Because, like, she, like, has done so much for me and I love her with my whole heart. And um, our relationship is so different than most like teenage girls and moms relationships because I did um online school for all of high school so we have spent a tremendous more amount of time together than a normal like mom and daughter do and so um we're just so used to being around each other and so whenever she's like making dinner and I'm just in my room like I think I'm just gonna go give her some company because or if she's like cleaning the house I'll offer to help because you know she's done so much for me I the least I can do is take a Clorox wipe and clean off the counter for her so <laughs> yeah I definitely I definitely feel that too last two questions here for you um if you're talking tv show what's your favorite tv show of all time Ooh, um I have a tie of like three <laughs> It's like, okay. I think, um, Give me all three then. Well, I I was gonna say one of them being Grey's Anatomy, but I have hard pass. I haven't kept up with that because it's it's been drawn out too long. I like the first like 
probably like eight seasons just because like the freshness of it i really liked it and i love stuff like with doctor stuff um but yeah like the recent Grey's anatomy i've not been impressed with so yeah i don't really know about that but uh once upon a time i really loved that show i watched it when it hard pass you don't like that one i'm not gonna watch it oh i i love it i have not kept up with it but i do I well, I love that one because my all-time favorite show is Lost, and which I which you already said you're not. But um, it's no. by Once Upon a Time is by the same people who created Lost, and so when I first started watching it when it first aired, I was like super into it, and it really was. I mean, the acting in Once Upon a Time was super good because to portray a story book character is so hard especially in like the sense that they were doing it and so i was just really impressed by it and i love like disney and story books and stuff so i really enjoyed that but those are my definitely my three favorite tv shows lost king my number one would be i don't really have three because i watch so much really just back and forth but my number one will always be the king of queens oh, I've never have you ever seen that, that? With no Kevin James, you know, you don't know what that is. I don't watch a lot of TV. <laughs> my three favorite TV shows are those three TV shows. Those are like the shows that I like go from one, and then I watch. Like all those shows have so many seasons, and so like once I finish Lost, I'll probably watch Once Upon a Time up until I get ended. Yeah, that, that that's how I am, right? So. <laughs> It's like King of Queens, and then it's um, The Office, and then it's like there's a show there's a show on the ranch uh, on Netflix called The Ranch. It's it's newer. I love that show. So like it's one of those that I just put on at night and know I can go to sleep watching it because I've seen every episode thirty times. Because I, I I'm I'm two types of a person. I have to sleep with the TV on. And if it's an episode I haven't watched, I will stay up and watch it. So I have to put on, like, Friends or Two and a Half Men. Everybody loves Raymond. Something that I've seen 30,000 times where I know what's going to happen. So I'm not, no, I'm not going to miss it. If I have a hard time sleeping, I um, I think last time we talked about this, I was on Sweet Life of Deck on, like, my um, yeah. time to relax and actually go to sleep. But now I've switched to Phineas and Ferb. And it's just, like... Especially during, like, you know, I keep telling my mom, like, man, I'm just so stressed out, even though I'm doing, like, the bare minimum every day, and I, I don't know why I'm so stressed out. And she's like, hmm, maybe it's because we're in a global pandemic or something. And so, um, <laughs> and so I just, I haven't been sleeping well. And so, like, falling asleep to, like, a kid show um, that I love so dearly and know, like, everything, like, by heart is, like, it gives you... It's so cheesy to say, but it, like, gives you the comfort of, like, like, it kind of takes the stress away a little bit when we're going through this, like, super scary time. And so it, like, can or won't help you sleep because you'll stay up watching it because you love the show so much. But it gives me some sort of comfort that helps me get to sleep a little bit easier at night. And you know what? You do what you got to do during during. Speaking of cartoons, 
does it make us, because we're adults, we're mature, does it make us immature if, like, you watch Fairly Odd Parents or SpongeBob just to fall asleep sometimes instead of your, your, your regular thing? No? Because <laughs> sometimes I'll be watching and I'm like, I'm going to watch this tonight, and I watch it, and I'm just like, I feel like I'm sick. I'm 22. I need to grow up, grow a pair, and just go to sleep. <laughs> I'm like, I'm very new to like the adult title because I'm 19. I'm almost 20. Okay. It's super weird to think about because I still feel like I'm 15. And, um, and so. I don't feel like that at all. Uh, see, I do, but I, like, my routine has been the same for really, since I was 15, like, I'm at home, I'm doing music, I'm releasing music, writing music, I did online school, and so I don't, I don't feel like that, because I've been, I graduated high school a year ago, and so I, I didn't have that big, like, transition kind of thing, and so I still kind of feel like I'm 15, so, like, when I put Phineas and Ferb on, I just have no shame in it, but... I think that's also like me as a person. Like I will sit down and watch Phineas and Ferb and Sweet Life on Deck and Sweet Life of Zach and Cody or Fairly Odd Parents. Love that show. I oh gosh, that is such a good show. And you know what? When like and I I hadn't watched Phineas and Ferb in a long time until um, all of this stuff was happening and I needed something to like take like the stress away at night. And I forgot how funny it is and i i don't think that like you know when something can give you entertainment or make you just a little happy give you a little laugh especially during a time it's a good thing and it doesn't matter if it's if it's like a little kid show or whatever like if it's a good show it's a good show and and her is just one of those iconic good shows <laughs> and anyone can disagree or agree, I don't care because it helps right. me laugh and it makes me happy. <laughs> Last question here and we'll get off here. We've almost been going two hours. That's supposed to go an hour, so I apologize if I've kept you from anything. Oh, you're um, fine. This has been so much fun. Yeah, thank you for having me on here for a third time. Yeah. Uh hopefully we can get you on for another time once you get that EP out. So we'll have so much to talk about then. <laughs> right. What? Not of your song, of someone else's song. What, in your opinion, is the greatest song ever written? Okay. Um... Now, I, I, I think our answers are going to be different on this yeah. because I, I think we live in two different eras. Like, even though I'm just a few years older than you, I still think I'm still back in the 80s and 90s type of realm. Yeah, and for me, maybe not, maybe surprises. Well, I, my, I mean, anybody who's gonna listen to this won't be shocked by my answer because I have it. I mean, it's a tie for okay. two. I can't ever just pick one thing. Pick two. Go two. Let's go two. Make it easy. It's um, for me, they're both Taylor Swift songs, and it's all too well. Totally different. Yeah, it's, um, and you know, for me, <laughs> I, I didn't even know who Journey was until I joined the classic rock oh, band when I was 15, because I am such a routine person, and so when I was, like, six years old, I heard Taylor Swift on the radio, and then I only listened to Taylor Swift for a Okay. 
And so I, Taylor Swift is just like so familiar to me. And so I'm always going to invest my time into listening to her music. And so um, one of, I mean, before her album Lover came out, my all-time favorite song, no matter what song, was All Too Well off of the Red Album because it paints such a beautiful picture and it has such, it's just so heartbreaking and I'm very drawn to like those heartbreak songs, but it's just, I mean, it just fills me with so much emotion and whatnot. And so that was always my number one favorite song until her new album came out. And again, it's another heartbreak song. It's called Soon You'll Get Better. And I've only listened to it once. Oh, that's about her mom with cancer, right? Yeah. And so I. That's the only song I've heard off that album. So, glad you picked that one. Yeah, I've only listened to it one time because I can't listen to it ever again. Because um, when I listened to it first and only time in my life, I just bawled my eyes out because... um, And I didn't know why. I never had that reaction with any other song in my entire life. But my mom actually um, has had cancer twice. And... um, Oh, wow. And, yeah. And so... um, And I gave her a few days i was like i think you need to wait till you listen to this and i listened to it or no i didn't listen to it with her. I, I like left the room let her listen to it and i came back after and she was bawling her eyes out too and she was like i know why you were so emotional to this and i was like well, why mom tell me and she said that when she had cancer i would um when she had cancer i would i loved to brush her hair and i was a little bit i was younger i was very young definitely not to double digits yet and um i would sit behind her in her bed and i would brush her hair and i would say it's okay mom you'll get better soon and so after that i just like broke down crying because it's just it was one of those things that you think you're prepared for and then you're not and then you don't know what to do so your body reacts for you and the way mine did was a bunch of tears for a long time and i've have not listened to that song since that first time when the album was released that night and i'm gonna keep it that way for as long as i can because i know if i hear it i will start crying heavy tears <laughs> so what yeah, do you I, 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 <laughs> I can't imagine you know my mom going through that because my mom's the rock of the family and it's just yeah. why we were living anymore you know something was to happen you know, it's one of those days, just like, but on a brighter note, uh, my, I'm gonna give two as well. Um, like I said, I'm a big fan of Elvis. He's one of my favorites of all time. For some reason, I tear up every time I hear it and it's, um, can't help falling in love. I, I don't know what it is. It's just one of those. It's just my favorite all time Elvis song. And it's just, man, it gets the emotions going. the first time in your life without ever hearing yeah. it. Just, I, I feel like the simplicity of can really convey such an amazing emotion and that can really be a My second one would be man, I, I'm between two. They both I'm between Arrow I'm between Aerosmith and John Mayer. I'm going to do John Mayer 
Stop This Train. That's my all-time favorite song, all-time favorite artist. And I remember hearing it for the first time. Go ahead. I'll have to listen to it after this. Oh, my God. You're going to have to. It's going to be. Ever since Taylor subdued him and wrote Dear John about him, I decided to not listen to it. Have you heard? No. No. Have you heard his diss back to her? Um, I think I have once, but I like, I don't know why I did, I did that like way before I decided to be a musician and I okay. kind of regret it now, but you know what, like feelings are feelings and she, or he hurt her in some way and I was just on board with that. So I have not listened to a lot of his music, but I do think he is amazing. Cause I know there's one song of his that I do like, it's like slow dancing. So it is in a burning room. Yeah. It's off. Like, yeah. Like yeah. It's. That album continuum, which has Stop the Strain and Slow Dancing in a Burning Room. I remember hearing it for the first time. I was at my cousin's house. I was, God, six maybe. Didn't think nothing of it, but I was like, man, I like that sound to it. And then I heard him. Uh, heard uh your body is a wonderland on the radio i was like oh i remember this guy i like it i was driving in my ford taurus to high school and i remember i bought the cd at walmart and i remember listening to it and just having the feels it's one of those albums that he finally spoke to me finally an artist was feeling exactly what i felt and stop this train is kind of you should listen to it it's I promise you will you, you will look at John Mayer differently because this is this is before the Taylor Swift thing happened. This was like oh six maybe, and the song is about. <laughs> and I'm still like. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but real quick, the song is about a guy that's getting older and he's scared. He can't stand to see his parents grow old he wants to stop the train i want to get off i want to go back on the tracks i can't go forward and man that song is just powerful and it makes it gives you all the feels to it what was that you broke up that sounds like something i'm probably gonna end up crying to (laughs) not as much as this i did i did the first time yeah i mean i did the first time and able to really like pinpoint that like spot in your heart where all of your guard is down and everything is that's so special so I'll, I'll definitely i've been wanting to listen to his music really have given me the initiative to so now i will for sure listen to it and let me know what you think because i'm dead serious about it you i think you're gonna like it you're, you're gonna look at a different perspective as you know, if you listen I to did, it i did think of one more song that is one of my all-time favorites okay um, go ahead. We got all the, I have all the time. I don't know about you, so just go ahead. Um, well, I guess it's kind of two. <laughs> but, okay. Um, <laughs> but um, it's it's Legend by Twenty One Pilots, and um, I haven't heard it. It's their album Trench um, is their latest one. It came out in 2018, and his their song Legend is about the singers, um, because he writes all the songs, it's about his uh, grandpa 
Um, I believe he got, like, he had been diagnosed with dementia and um, that or Alzheimer's. And, um, and he was just writing about how he was afraid to visit him because he didn't know how he would feel about it and um, talking about how he was, like, writing this record when it all happened and um, he wanted to, like, write it all in time for him to listen to it, um, but sadly he um, passed away before he could and just me also being an artist, like, thinking about, like, not being able to share, like, one of my life projects with my grandparents, like, really hit me. Oh, yeah. Hard. And it was, I mean, 21 Pilots is one of those artists that I just absolutely love so much. But it's that one, and... Um, before you get the other one, before you get the other one, I'm going to go back to me and then go back to you. Go. <laughs> my favorite, Aerosmith is my favorite band of all time. I mean, right behind that's Kiss, and then Poison. But my favorite album from Aerosmith is album Permanent Vacation. The reason is because that is the first album that they have all made sober, and the time that all the original band members were there. No, but the re you're laughing, but I'm serious because it showed that they can make they can it showed that they can make the same type of music they used without being under the influence. Yeah. And they, they released an album. Right. They released the album, and then they have a song on it called Angel. And to me, it's just like, it's a love song, but a sappy type of love song. Like, it's not, oh, lovey-dovey stuff. It's just, you're my angel. Now this is why. And it's one of those, it's just like, it's not too slow. It's... Perfect tempo, to me, is the greatest Aerosmith song of all time, which is underrated because they do not play it in concert, yeah, and I would be really upset. The best songs are the ones that only the diehard fans know and love. The best songs are, in my opinion, the album cuts, because I think singles get played so much that I just grow tired of them. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what's I that other one for you? Um, Ow. Yeah, I mean, there's the other one is um, it's called Smithereens, and it's also on their album French, and it's for his wife. Oh, this is still Twenty One Pilots. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, okay. I have okay. like you know I'm routine. There's only so many diehard artists that I'm like absolutely in love with. Me, my heart. me too. Yeah, but um, it's called Smithereens, and he wrote it for his wife, and it's just. It's one of those songs that make you just, like, feel the love that they feel, too. And it's, it's like, um, he's, like, just describing their love and him and what he would do for her. And it's just one of those, like, love songs that um, it feels unexpected, but also feels, like, just so real compared to something that's, like, I love you and you're cool, I like that you love me too, and you look pretty in that dress or whatever, and it's just, it feels so real, and it's just so well written, and I mean, my, my, it would be so amazing if just Tyler Joseph and Taylor Swift could collaborate on a song and co-write something, I mean, that would just make the most amazing song in the world, um, but that, that song, Smithereens and Legend by Tom Pilots, those songs are just, they're just so amazing 
and just so well written. And I'm just a sucker for such a well written song with a great story. Me too. It's have you how well are you into country music before I give you Um It's like a hit or miss with me. Oh, okay. <laughs> are you familiar with Luke Bryan? Yes. A little bit, a little bit. I'm gonna give you another song to listen to. And this, I think it's going to meet your standard as it's one of those songs that really hits you. And it's called The Car in Front of Me. I can't, I can't take anything away. It's mysterious. The car in front of me, what's that about? I swear, we, me, my mom, and my sister, we were riding in the car not two days ago, two, two, three days ago. And the song came on the radio. I played it on my, came on my playlist. And we were all three crying at the time we got to Walmart. It was just like, it's, it's one of those, it was, just, it was well written, it took you for a loop, you didn't know what was happening. So that's one of those as well. Ow. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll definitely go listen to that too. That, I mean, songs that really hit you hard is songs I, I like to listen to because I want to write songs like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Abigail, do you have anything else you want to talk about, throw my way? Um, I mean, I have a new single coming out soon. <laughs> Should I get out the date? Okay, you... <laughs> I, uh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. I, I give the title. You haven't given the title or anything. Yeah, so. I, um, I submitted it today. It's going to be out on May 8th, and it's called Ruby. Okay. And it is about my little sister. I'm writing this down as we talk, so I'm so I'm not being rude. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I uh, wrote it about a year ago. I wrote it when I was when I first visited. I felt super inspired, and I um, played a ride around with this sister duo, and it just got me thinking. You know, why haven't I written a song about my little sister? And so then that was the uh, the other song that. Uh, we had extra time in the studio alongside with Space, and we got that recorded too, and I have just been dying to release it, and so I thought I would do it now. So May 8th is when Ruby's gonna come out. <laughs> do me a favor, send me over uh, before or after it comes out, doesn't matter, send me an MP3 clip, and I will insert it in here. Absolutely, yeah. I'll play it for Well, yeah. Well, Abigail, we've been going two hours, so I don't know what else to talk about. If you do bring something else, we can talk all, all night if you want, but I'm out of ideas. Yeah, <laughs> it shows how professional I am. I think we might have to come back once I can talk about this EP that's going to come out this summer. Let's <laughs> do it. Just give me a... talk a whole lot about that, because there's going to be five songs on that EP, and it's a, it's a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> We know a lot about music, uh, which which is very interesting because it's different eras of music that we like, and I think that's very interesting. We can compare and contrast on that. So, yeah, we'll definitely get you back on. Just give me a date when the EP is coming out or when it's projected to come out, and we'll get you on right for right after. Absolutely, let's do it. <laughs> All right, Abigail, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you too, man. It's been so awesome. So much fun.
hopefully that audio um, was 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 okay for you guys. I know it was a lot of in and out spots, um, but I think I got the most the majority of what we talked about. So thanks to Abigail for coming on for for a third time of being a one of the few people to come on and do a two parter. So appreciate you guys and appreciate you for letting me do this. All right. On next week's show, next Monday, you're going to hear another movie review, as always. But you're, but you're also going to hear the youngest person to ever appear on the HodgePodge podcast. Kyla Galloway is coming to the show. She is a entrepreneur, a 13-year-old, a high schooler, um, also the daughter of HPP alumni Shira Galloway, and she... She's a wood turner, and she has her own scholarship all at the age of 13. You're going to hear her story, and you're going to hear some interesting chats and some funny moments from the podcast. So please stick around for next week for that podcast. You can hear it here, as well as any other place you listen to your favorite podcasts. So as always, enjoy and frown less. The first spaceship never made it to the moon, or space at that matter. So you're going to fail. Remember that. You're going to fail. But if you just put it to your mind that you're going to get there, you will get that spaceship to space and possibly land on the moon. In time and between time, I've been your host, D. Hodge, but you guys have already known that, and I'll catch you guys on the flip side. See you later. Bye.